Well, praise the Lord. Welcome to our uh, Romans Bible study. We have every Monday morning and Thursday morning. It's the 4th of July. Praise God. We're blessed to be free in Christ and free in America and able to uh, share the Word of God openly and share our testimony of Christ openly. And I uh, have Andrew with me today on the broadcast. He's home for the summer. And uh, I brought him in this morning to help me do this Romans teaching. And instead of 30 minutes, we'll be doing an hour today uh, just because we can. And uh, thankful for that. So don't forget that everything we do here at Crossway Church is uploaded to the YouTube channel, which is Curtis Hutchinson 316 and the website, thecrosswaychurch.com. And uh, also we record everything I do on Spreaker, the S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R -E -E app. Uh, and my channel is for those who have ears to hear. It's on the podcast. If you have podcasts on your phone, you can just uh, type in uh, for those who have ears to hear and you'll find uh, the broadcast that we do here at Crossway Church. And again, we're excited to be here today. We're excited to... Uh, uh, be able to be sharing the Word of God in the light that the Lord has given us in these last days. And uh, we are in a revival. We are in a reformation. We're in a move of God like never before when the Lord is revealing to His people how to live for God, how to live in victory for the Lord. Not, not all that we have to do to find victory, but our faith remaining in Christ and what He did at Calvary for our victory. Uh, before we dig in this morning, just a reminder that uh, not this weekend, but next weekend, I'll be and Andrew will be and Clint and Lindsey Bass and T uh, Tommy Wiedelman, these other pastors, we will all be in Wichita Falls, Texas, July the 11th through the 14th, a Thursday night through a Sunday morning. That's at our Crossway Church in Wichita Falls, Texas. It'll be that Thursday night at 7, then that Friday night at is it six or, or seven? seven? And then Saturday morning at 10, Saturday night at six, and then Sunday morning at 10 as well. It's a, it's a full weekend of gospel, true gospel, cross preaching ministers that'll be there in our Crossway Church there. So if you know anybody in Wichita Falls, Texas that uh, or lives around there, uh, let them know we have a church there. At the moment, we're meeting in the Hampton Inn at 4217 Kemp Boulevard, the second weekend of every month. So uh, send them our way, and they will surely be blessed. If they love the preaching of God's Word, the preaching of the cross, they will surely find a home there with, some, with those others who have like precious faith, and we are surely blessed. But I will also be in Dublin, Georgia on August the 4th uh, with my good friend, Pastor Scotty Williams. And I'm looking very, very much forward to being with that group of people. Hadn't seen them since the camp meeting last year. And uh, there's some cross-eyed folks, and I can't wait to get there. Also, September the 21st and 22nd, I'll be with Pastor Colton Eel in Athens, Tennessee. And so I encourage you, if you live anywhere around those areas, uh, show up and, and come and, and let's worship the Lord and learn the word of the Lord and grow in his knowledge and his grace and, and uh, become more equipped for the work of the ministry than ever before. Praise the Lord. Excited about this morning being here where this is actually uh, uh, part 13 of our Romans teaching 
And uh, we do it every Monday morning, Thursday morning, 8.30 a.m. Central Time. It's live on my Pastor Curtis Facebook page. In case you're watching this later on YouTube or something, you can watch live on my Pastor Curtis Facebook page. And Friday mornings at 9 a.m. Central Time, we're teaching on the book of Jude. We just started last Friday, so join us Mondays and Thursdays and Friday mornings for the Word of the Lord. We are so blessed to have the precious Word of the Lord, and I just tell you what, it's the most precious thing we have. And it's the only way faith can come, it's the only way victory can come as we learn the Word of God in the context of the living Word of God and what He did for us at Calvary, and I'm talking about Jesus Christ. Praise God. So, this morning, uh, we're going to cover verses 10 through 13, just four verses. I promise you we won't have enough time, uh, but we're going to cover these four verses and talk about them, dig the meat out of these verses, and I pray that you get your Bibles, your pencils and paper, and that you would follow along with us. And I know the Lord is going to speak to you today and us, and He's going to bless us with the daily bread that we desperately need to have from Him today. All right, so Romans chapter 7, verse 10 says, And the commandment which was ordained to life I found to be unto death. Now, we'll, we'll discuss this for a moment and then move on because it's all tied together but before we dig in too deep, we need to remind ourselves and all those who are watching that the word sin here used is not talking about acts of sin that we commit. It's talking about the sin nature, that person we used to be, we were at one time, that darkness, that old man that was made dormant, made uh, rendered powerless upon our faith in Jesus Christ and what he did at Calvary. But when we see the word sin here used, it's used as the noun, not the verb, not us committing an act, but us being something, the sin nature, the old man. We need to always remember that, and that will help you understand chapter 7, which is not understood by most of Christianity today. So let's read it again. For the sin nature, taking occasion by the commandment, deceived me, and by it slew me. That's verse 11. So let's back up. And the commandment which was ordained to life I found to be unto death. Now, was the commandment what was death? No. The law has always been holy and righteous written by God himself. And the commandment, as we'll see what Andrew just said in, in a later verse. Let's just go ahead and read verses 12 and 13 and we'll come back and dig it all out. Wherefore the law is holy. And the commandment is holy and just and good. Was then that which is good made death unto me? God forbid. But notice, but the sin nature, that it might appear as the sin nature, working death in me by that which is good, that the sin nature by the commandment might become exceedingly sinful. And in that verse right there alone, we see that if we try to live according to the commandment, the sin nature revives, we die, as Paul has previously said, and the sin nature is revealed as the one who's dominating, who's in control. Now, make, don't get confused. The sin nature is very deceptive. As we'll see that here in verse 11, because the sin nature takes occasion by the commandment, 
through the commandment, the sin nature is what will deceive me and slay me. And I think verse 12 shows us that everything that God makes is holy and just. And it's not that that caused us to sin. It's us trying to do so. Everything that God makes is holy. Everything that he does is just. But everything that we do is filthy rags. That's why even when he gave us something like his law, and, and, and we have to try to follow it, we can't keep it, and we fail. Because anything that we try to do, it can't amount to any anything that God has already provided for us. Right. Any, anything. We, it's not about what we do. It's about what we believe. And, and, and I like Romans chapter 8 verse 3 tells us in plain English for what the law could not do. No, and that's not just the Ten Commandments or the rites or the rituals or the ceremonies of Israel that God gave them to, to function in their midst, to be a part of their lives, but it could not do it. It could not do it. Galatians 3, 23 and 24 tell us that the law, we were under the law, shut up unto the faith until after the faith would come. Talking about Jesus would come and, and provide a perfect faith through his love for us, his death for us. And the Bible says that the law was our schoolmaster. It pointed us to the one that would come and justify us by faith. Romans 8, 3 says what the law could not do in that it became weak through the flesh. What's the Bible saying here? We can't obey the law. When we try, we're doing that in our own means. That's called the flesh. Our, the means of our flesh, through our flesh. Our works, our attempts, our trying to do it. And that's anything. If I think I can walk around the house three times to be delivered from something or to have uh, peaceful thoughts rather than victorious uh, thoughts in my life, that's something I'm doing. I've set before myself, uh, and, and, I'm, and I'm doing that in my flesh, thinking I'm going to get deliverance, and that's become a law. And I, the law, I can't do the law. I can't even do laws I put on paper. I'm going to do this, and I'll never do this again. That's laws I make up in my own mind, and I can't do them. That's why every person on the planet that said, I'll never do that again, did it. Right. And I think all, all of us as Christians at some point, before we, before we knew this sanctifying truth, and even if we did, and, and we just weren't, weren't uh, applying it, but... But we've told God we wouldn't do things again, and we end up failing Him again. And, and you see people throughout the Bible having the same problem, and Paul in Romans seven having the same problem, not wanting to do the things that he did. And, and the only way that you can stop is is the way that saved you from the, the sin in the first place, and not just a sin, but the sin, the sin nature, is at the cross of Christ. That's right. We see in verse 10 in Romans 7 that the commandment was ordained to life. That means it, it, it ordered the way, showed the way. The first three letters in the word ordained really get specific about the basic word ordained comes from the order, the prescribed order. Uh, that the commandment was ordered to life, ordered to point to life because it couldn't bring life. The Bible says that. We read it, Romans chapter 8, verse 3. But it was ordered to life. It, it pointed to life. Who, who, when you see the word life, you got to think of Christ because he didn't show up and say, well, I'm one of the ways. He said, no, I am the way, the truth, and I am the life. 
So when you see the Bible says in the commandment which was ordained to life, that means it was it was ordered to point to Christ, the one that would feel, fulfill all the law, and he is our life. But Paul says, I found it to be unto death. He didn't say it was death. He said, I found the law to be unto death. And it's and he's and he, in verse eleven he tells why. Because the sin nature taking occasion by the commandment, when we try to live according to the purpose-driven life, the government of 12, the words we speak, the money we give, the prayers we make, if that's what our faith is in, you can turn even the Christian things you do and should be doing according to the Word of God into a law. And when you do, your faith is placed in them, then it's not going to work out for you. That's why all over the world you'll hear it on a daily basis. Prayer's the answer. Prayer's not the answer. Prayer is good. Prayer should be in our life. The Bible says we should be people that pray without ceasing. A way of life for the Christians should be communion with God at all times and specific times set apart for just you and God with no distractions. But prayer is not the answer, my friend. If it was, Jesus didn't need to come. We could have just prayed through right into salvation. But you can't do that. Jesus had to come. He had to die. First, he had to fulfill the law, something we could not do. But he did. And then he had to die for all of us who couldn't. And so Paul says in verse 11, the sin nature takes occasion by the commandment. Notice what it does. It deceives us and it slays us. When he says it slays us, you refer back to what he said in verse 9. For I was alive without the law once, but when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. He's talking about a Christian, him as a Christian. He died, he stepped into to the place where there's no fruit bearing. Verse 11, when it says that taking occasion, if you look that phrase up in the Greek text, uh, it, it's talking about establishing a base. A literal base of operations and that, that means that before you look to the commandment, put your faith in anything other than the cross, a law something we've explained today that you think you have to do for victory or for healing or for strength anything like that that only God can provide, uh, once you do that, now you set up a, a base for the sin nature and everything you do now is, is through that sin nature, it's through the dominion of sin yeah, and see, the good news is for the child of God is that when we're born again, we're, we're no longer under the law where the sin nature dominates. We're taken from the law and placed under grace, which is the government of God, the, the, where he works. Paul told the church in Galatia that because they were trusting in now circumcision and whatever else, the law again, that they'd fallen from grace and they were living again as though they were under the law. And under the law is the curse of death. And let me say this today for uh, the lost world and the Christian, the, the word death means two different things. For the lost world and who we were before we were born again, we were dead in our sins and separated from God because death is separation. No matter how you slice it, death means there's been a separation. So the, the separation between man and God for the lost human race is because they are, we were, dead in our sins, separated from God because of our sins and iniquities. 
But when we're reconciled to God through our faith in the very work of Christ at Calvary, we're born again. There's another uh, 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 discussion we need to have about how the word death pertains to us because the lost world, they're dead in sin, separated from God. But there's a different kind of death and separation for you and me as a Christian. And that separation is this. It, it becomes now that we're separated in our fellowship. Uh, we're separated and we've fallen from grace if our faith is no longer in the cross of Christ alone. If we start adding these programs, these books, we go to the Christian bookstore and we see and we bring them home and we begin to highlight things in them. Well, i got to do this if I want victory and that. And, and these schemes that come into the church, then we, like Paul, we start living according to commandments again for right, the fruit of of God, the righteous fruit of God, the fruit of the Holy Spirit, uh, and we'll and we'll do all kinds of things and tag it, the Spirit of God and fruits of righteousness, but none of it is if my faith is not in the cross of Christ. And so we want to talk about for a minute the word death for a Christian because Paul said when the commandment came, when I started living according to the commandment again, after I was alive without the law once, the sin nature revived and I died. Paul saying, I died. The church in Sardis, take a note, you can write it down, you can read about it when we're done. The church in Sardis, Revelation chapter 3, verses 1 through 6, Jesus showed up through uh, the apostle John in a letter he gave him to give him and said, you have a name for yourself that you're alive, but you're dead. The Lord telling the church, blood-bought, spirit-filled church, you're dead. So the word death for the church means something totally different. We're not dead in our sins and separated from God because we don't know him or he don't know us, but we can become dead, a place where there's no fruit bearing. Listen, in his eyes, the community and those around you may think you're the, man, you are in a church alive. You're in, you man, that, that's a fine church, but you better get in the word and see how God sees you. The Bible says Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. He didn't find grace in nobody else's eyes. And, and, and so the word death for the church means we're now separated from the place where the fruit can be bare. Because if we fall from grace, grace is what God is doing. And, and like you said, it might look on the outside like, like the church at Sardis. You, you have a name, but you're dead. And... and God really wants us not to be after uh, all these materialistic things, but God wants us to be like David, to be a man after his own heart. And it's true that Christians can be dead, and that's something that really needs to be taught on, but I'm afraid that a lot of people don't understand it because we don't read our Bibles. And not just that, maybe we do read our Bibles, but not how the Holy Spirit written in the context of Jesus but because he is the word. But we read in Revelation chapter 3 that Christians can very much so be dead. And more uh, uh, about that is in Psalm 51, uh, it says, Give me a, a clean heart and renew my spirit. Ephesians chapter 4, 22 says we're to put off the old man. And we're learning here today that that's talking about the sin nature. When we put back on the old man, we're dead. So, and it says in Ephesians 4.22, when we put off the old man, it's renewing our spirit. If our spirit's not renewed, our spirit is dead. And death always changes relationships. 
and it changes our relationship with God when we go back, when we look to the law and, and go back under the dominion of sin because God isn't in the presence of sin. Amen. Amen. Faith without works is dead. And that's another thing we can talk about for a moment about Revelation chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. Blood-bought, born-again church. It, it wasn't talking to lost people in the midst of a saved church. Don't run with that lie. That there were, lost people didn't hang out in the church back in that day. It was, it was to the church of Sardis. The Bible tells us that. Let's be, let's stay in kindergarten and, 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 and stay with the simplicity of what the Bible says that it was to the church of Sardis and he told them, you got a name that you're alive, but you're dead. He said, I've not found your works perfect before me. But they had plenty of works because it was their works that were giving them a name. But they, but they were they were living again as though they were back under law. We know that because when we function under grace, grace reigns through righteousness. That means faith in the cross of Christ, and the fruit is righteousness. And you know, for God to find a perfect work means He must be doing it, and that's what happens under grace. He begins a perfect work. He continues a perfect work. He, he promises he will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. That is, if we keep our faith in what allowed him to begin that perfect work. You know, we, we're living in a time where the scripture, the, the light is being turned on to even more heresies uh, that we've been bound in for years as a church. Uh, that you, that you know, the church doesn't have a clue what we're talking about today. That you can be dead, not talking about physical death, not even really talking about uh, spiritually dead, losing your soul at this point. But that, that's why the Lord shows up at times and and says, "Look, I know you got a name in the community, in the entire region that you're alive, but I say you're dead. You better hear me." And, and, and then he tells them what to do. And when God tells us our, we're dead, that means we're functioning again according to what he delivered us from, the law. And let me tell you something. You can be out there and living and doing all kinds of works and have a, a form of godliness, but the Bible says be denying the power at the same time. Titus chapter 1 verse 16 says they profess they know God, but they deny him in their works. There can be a million works, but in their, our works can be that which is denying God the right to give us the grace we need. Because if our faith is not in Calvary, the sin nature has taken over again, revived. And, and the Bible tells us that in verse 11 that when the sin nature sees us going through the law again. When grandma tells us, yeah, 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 I hear all that cross stuff you're talking about, son, but you've also got to do this, this, and this if you want to see the full power and victory and provision of the Lord in your life. If you want deliverance from this thing, you're going to have to do at least these three things. Grandma loves you and grandma cares about you, but grandma apparently doesn't know the word of God as it is truth in righteousness. And therefore, you know, you just need to love grandma and, 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 and teach grandma because she needs to know too. Uh, but the sin nature is that old man that we were and he's waiting on us to trust. Let, let me tell you something. He's just waiting on us to trust in anything other than Calvary. 
You say, well, how can he be waiting? I mean, I thought he, I, we didn't even have a sin nature. And that's what a lot of preachers uh, share. It's what they teach and preach, but it's not true. The devil was defeated, destroyed at Calvary, but he still exists. The sin nature was destroyed, made dormant at Calvary, but it still exists. And so you know you don't you need to you need to learn the word of God as it is written in truth and righteousness. So when the Bible says in verse eleven, the sin nature takes occasion by the commandment. Notice the first thing it does: it deceives me. It makes me think that I'm living for God. I'm not living for God. Not when the sin nature is dominating. Matter of fact, I'm not even walking in a place called life anymore. I'm no longer laying hold of eternal life, who is Christ. I'm, I'm no longer experiencing Christ. Now, I might think I am. I may be in an altar with my hands up and tears flowing down my face. But when the Lord shows up and says, you're dead... The only reason he could tell somebody they're dead is because they're not experiencing life. Who is Christ? To live is Christ. So we, we need to make sure we understand here that the, the word sin is talking about the sin nature. And it's looking for opportunity. It's waiting for an occasion to deceive to and to slay us, to put us in a place of death, which is separation from God in our fellowship where the work can no longer be perfect, and we can no longer be in that work of, of perfection that the Holy Spirit has to do. Yeah. And as soon as you put your faith in Christ and what he did for you, it's not an if. You will be bombarded by people or, or things that you see trying to add law into your life. Whether it's your grandma, family members, people that just you're talking to about the Lord, it will never fail because... The normal thing in today's world, and I didn't say in today's Christianity because it's not true Christianity to serve law. Uh, you can still be saved and, and looking to the law as we were reading today, but you're dead. But today, it's not a normal thing to serve Christ in liberty, and, and, and which he's provided for us. And, and that's the whole purpose of, of teaching and God revealing the cross to his church is so we can be liberated from law. You know, like we said, the law is not an unholy thing, but when we try to live for it, it only brings death to us. Yeah, let's, let's try to look at some examples today of how these things have infiltrated the church and, and how they pretty much dominate the church. False teaching. I mean, I'm not being ugly this morning. I'm not even going to call any names today. It would be perfectly okay if we did. Jesus did. Paul did. John the Baptist did. They killed all the prophets for confronting uh, Israel uh, and, and, and encouraging them, commanding them by the power of God to repent. But Let's look at someone who would get up and preach, and I heard it here in our, in our own town some years ago on the radio, a preacher saying that if the Bible says if you don't take care of the poor, that uh, you're going to be under a curse. You're going you're gonna, to you're gonna have, you, you know, you, have issues in your life. You're not going to be able to walk in a place of blessing if you're not taking care of the poor. So to hear that outside of its proper context, would mean that after church now I'm convicted I hadn't been taking care of the poor and, 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 and I've got these three bondages in my life and 
Now I think I can go and I can start feeding the poor and God's going to deliver me from these bondages. No, that message was not preached in its proper context. Because if you leave faith in Christ and what he did at Calvary out, then that's just going to be you going to take care of the poor. Remember, you going and taking care of the poor is something you're doing. And you can't be delivered from anything by what you do. It's your faith in Christ and what he did at Calvary that delivers you, saves you, and brings all the provision into your life. If your faith is right, when the poor is there to be dealt with, you'll deal with them properly. If your faith is right. But you don't, you don't get salvation because you fed a hungry person. And salvation, when I say salvation, I'm talking about the huge gamut of all that exists in salvation. Your, your way to heaven, your, day of, your way of victory daily, you don't get that by what you're doing. And when you think that, the sin nature has revived and is now deceiving you and slaying you and you're dead even though you're working your fingers to the bone. You think for the glory of God, but he's not getting any glory because your faith is not in the only avenue, the cross, that allows him to have glory through what he's doing in your life. Ministers who get in the pulpit and say, if you fast 30 days, God will deliver you from this, that, or the other. Well, if that were true, then listen, there wouldn't be any more bondages in the church. It doesn't work. It cannot work because God didn't set up fasting for any aspect of salvation. He set up fasting to draw close to him. He set up fasting to draw near to him, to be set apart for him, to cry out to him and, and, and to realize what he's doing in your life without all the distractions, to, to put away things that, that really, even some things that are your no, normal daily living to draw close to God, to hear from God. The cross of Christ is the only thing that delivers from any bondage. Not words you speak, not actions you take. And when you're deceived by preachers who preach those things, they can only put on the table for you to eat what they're eating. And they're deceived and they're dead. And all they can do is produce light, a death for you, that which causes death for you. And I know we don't even like to think this, so you got to wonder about the church in Sardis. You're sitting there in church that day, and John gets up and uh, reads, of the, well, he don't read it. The pastor of the church in Sardis reads it, and, and, he, and, he, and he says, the Lord says we're dead. Well, i got news for you. It's In every move of God, there's those that will say, Oh, Lord, forgive me. Help me, Lord. Oh, God, I need your help. I, I, you know, because he tells them, you better be watchful. You better get back to the place you heard and received and repent. I'm sure there was a few there that was brokenhearted over the realization that they, they'd just been working and it hadn't been the Lord. But I, can guarantee, I can't guarantee, but surely... Probably because of, I, I know humanity, there's probably people there that said, you know what? There ain't nothing wrong with us. We're good. Grandma was in this. Great-grandma was in this. You know, they, they say it's okay. You know, th this is my family church, man. My grandpa was here. My, my daddy's been here. Now we're here. It's our family church. It's okay. This is, you know, you better wake up, my friend, before time runs out. 
because you can surely be dead as the sin nature dominates and he is dominating every child of God on the planet whose faith is not in the cross. And, and the church of Sardis is like the church of today and if you would get up, if you were to get up and, and had the opportunity to read John's letter to the church of today, their reaction would be the same as he just explained. You know, we're not dead. You know, we we do all these things and I just want to say it, it if you leave a service thinking you have to do, do, do instead of believe, the chances are that you just heard a sermon of law instead of grace. I'm not talking about if you leave church and, and you want to read your Bible or you want to pray because that's done out of a, a heart of want because we want to obey, obey God if we're saved. But when you start feeling like you just have to do these things, like you have to pray, listen, if, if prayer was the answer for uh, victory over bondages, then Jesus would have just came down and taught the Lord's Prayer and went back up to heaven. But he didn't do that. The Lord's Prayer was one of the many things that he explained. It was a prayer pattern. If, if you say that you pray this prayer for the next 30 days and you'll, you'll see victories in your life, that's not true. That's unbiblical. It's a prayer pattern. But God, but Jesus, he came down to do one thing and, and and fulfilled the law. And through that one thing, through that death on the cross, all those other things that he taught can be applied to us. But the church of today needs to know that because they've taken all these things, even the things that Jesus taught about, the thing, the, the, the things that we should be doing, and now they're, they're making them laws in their life, something that they just can't live without. If they don't do this today, if they don't pray this pattern today, they, they just couldn't make it through the day. And, and, if, and if you feel like that, you know, then you're under law. You're, you're operating by law. I'll say it like that. And you're under, you're under the dominion of something other than grace because God, God only operates in grace. He only works through grace. So if you're doing something, if you're trusting in anything else, God's not working in you and you're, you're dead. Because I'm not talking about one mess up. I'm talking about a continual trusting in what you do in your own ability. God doesn't want us to trust in right things. He wants to trust in the only right thing. The only righteous thing is what he did for us. Amen. Amen. It's good stuff. Great, great this morning having you with us. Glad you're tuning in. And I hope you join us every week. But I want to move on into verse 12 because what we've covered is, is, is only a small portion of what the Lord will give you if you continue to look and dig in these scriptures, knowing that you have a sin nature, knowing that uh, you can step into a place that's called death again, where you're really living as the old man, allowing the old sin nature to dominate you again. And that's somebody that's been that's died and been put away, but but you know that that controlled us and dominated us under the law. And but now under grace, we don't live by do's and don'ts and what you eat and don't eat. We live by simple childlike faith in Christ and what he did at Calvary. And there you'll find all the provision of life that you'll ever need. We are in a reformation. Preachers now, here and there, little spots all over the world today, not many but a few, are declaring the truth of God's Word once again, the righteousness of God's Word once again. And, and, and we're stepping into a place where we understand that it's not about what we do, it's about what we believe. And when we believe, 
properly, then what we do will be the works of the Holy Spirit in our life, Ephesians 2.10. We've been ordained to walk in good works. There's that word ordained again, ordered. The, 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 the works we've been called to walk in are ordered before us in Christ. But I want us to look at this. I don't want time to run out today before we get through verses 12 and 13. Don't forget the sin nature that you still have in you can be dormant if your faith remains in the death of Jesus alone. The death of Jesus is what crucified that old man and laid him waste, rendered him inoperable, powerless, as long as your faith is there. But when you turn to a commandment, any commandment for the fruit of righteousness, don't get me wrong, as children of God, we have the captain of our salvation, Jesus, and he doesn't give options, he gives commands and tells us that those who obey his commands are his friends. But we're not obeying commands for any type of salvation. We're obeying his commands now for the work of, he, of his spirit in our lives and through our lives. Praise God. And for an already born again and already saved people. But the sin nature takes occasion when we look and try to live according to long sleeves, short sleeves, makeup, no makeup, long hair, no hair, what we eat. When you fall off in that category, my friend, if that's what you believe personally, that's okay if you want to wear whatever, don't want to wear whatever. But when you start joining the ranks of people that demand you can't wear long sleeves or short sleeves, you can't wear makeup or jewelry, you're in a group of people bound under the law. They are dead. They, and, and, see, and, and watch this. We're talking about the sin nature takes occasion by the commandments when we're trying to live according to the commandments and it deceives us and slays us. Now think about this. When you see these signs all over the country that say apostolic holiness, holiness, those churches think that they really have a, 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 a something special about them, about the word holiness. They think they are the holiness of God. And they're some of the most bound people you'll ever meet. They all have to dress the same because their faith is in their dress. Now, they wouldn't agree with me because they're deceived and they've been slain by the sin nature because they're living according to the commandment for righteousness. And only through righteousness can holiness come. And righteousness can only come through faith in the sacrifice. That's it. So, Verse 12 says, Wherefore the law is holy and the commandment holy and just and good. That means the law, the commandment, it can't kill you. It can't deceive you unless you try to live according to it. And the devil always uses uh, or wants to you try to use godly things and good things against us to get us to, to focus on the, those things more than we focus on God and and, and I just want to say something about the, the, the holiness thing. You know, we, we can give ourselves a false name of holiness or we can be in Christ and have true holiness. It's, it's our choice. Amen. And that that is, I believe it's Ephesians 4.24 that says that we've been created in righteousness and true holiness. 
Notice the two words are together. They have to be. They have to be. No one can be holy or experience the fruit of holiness without bearing, without being righteous and bearing the fruits of righteousness. And that's what the Bible says we were created in because that's who Christ is for us. He's our righteousness and he is our holiness before God. And if we are born again, we're in, created in Christ Jesus. We're created in righteousness. But notice the Bible says, and true holiness. The Holy Spirit knew to put that word true holiness there because holiness is not about what you're doing or wearing. It's about expressing the one who is righteous and who is holy, and his name is Jesus. And the only way we can experience Christ and express Christ is through simple childlike faith in his sacrifice. Christ as Redeemer. Christ as Lamb. As the Lamb of God for us concerning our sins. And we need to know that. So, wherefore, verse 12, the law is holy and the commandment holy and just and good was then that which is good made death unto me. God forbid and God forbids you think that way. The law is, is good, it's just, it's holy, uh, it's right, but, and it's not that which, may, it's not that which slayed us, it's not that which killed us. The reason the law came into us was to point to Christ, Galatians 3, 23 and 24, and it's good, and Paul is making a point here, he's saying you know, why are you asking me as the law what killed us and, and, and caused us to die? God forbid you think that way. But sin, the sin nature, that it might appear as the sin nature working death in me. By that which is good, the law is good, but when I try to live according to it, the sin nature begins to work death in me. Through something that is good. Listen, it's good to go to church. It's good to study the Word. It's good to be a person of prayer and fasting and giving tithes and offerings. Until I put my faith in that, then I've turned it into a law and the sin nature begins to work death in me. Brings about that separation in me and God in our fellowship. And I become, as the church in Sardis was told, I'm dead, you're dead. And Paul here says, when the, when, I, when the commandment came, the sin nature revived and I died. We need to pay attention to that. Listen, but listen. But then, that which is good... Was then that which is good made death unto me? No, the law was not made death unto me, but the sin nature that it might appear as the sin nature. The sin nature's been revealed, folks. I can't help what's happened the first 1,999 years or however long the church has been the church. There's been spots along the way that had this revelation and, and this illumination of God's word, rather, we'll say that. But listen, I hope you're one of those who are stepping into this, clinging to the truth of God's Word, that you cannot live according to what you do by faith. You live according to what Christ did by faith at Calvary. 
the sin nature that it might appear as the sin nature and even the works of sin that are committed might appear to us as sinful before God working death in me. Remember the wages of sin is death. Let me say it a way we may have never heard it. The wages of the sin nature is death. Not just acts of sin but the wages of the sin nature is death. Think about that. Because sin entered through one man, Adam, mm -hmm. through one sin, came the sin nature. And we're all in Adam. If you if you say, no, you know, I, 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 I don't know Adam. I never met him. Well, it's, and he might not be your dad, obviously. But, but the thing is, we were all in Adam in the garden. And when he sinned, as we all know, we all sin. We're all born into sin now. And, and the last part of this verse 13 says that sin by the commandment, by the law, might become exceedingly sinful. The sin nature might become exceedingly sinful. That's because when when we do enter in back unto the old man, the sin nature, all we, all we can be is exceedingly sinful. On the outside, we may look good, but all we are on the inside is exceedingly sinful when we go back under the sin nature and we operate by a system of law instead of grace. Yeah, and, and the Bible carries this out throughout the Bible. It's just that the church hasn't known it. The church has not known this to the degree that God is revealing it today. Uh, and I want to read another scripture to confirm because everything God has said can be confirmed by two or three witnesses, and that means witnesses in other places of his word, not what men think. But the letter to the church in Corinth in 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty six says, The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. Think about that. The sting of, of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. Now, I want you to really think about that because it confirms what Paul is writing to the church in Rome. When, we, when we're born again, we're free from sin. We're under the grace of God. We've been justified by the blood of Jesus. We're, we're walking with Christ. And, and Christ taught in John 15, you are to abide in Him, which means remain and continue in Him. Now, you don't have to. You don't just automatically continue in Him. You must fight the good fight of faith to continue to abide in Christ. The Bible says in Colossians 2 and 6 that as you have received the Lord Jesus Christ, like so walk ye in Him. You walk in Christ just like you were placed into Christ. How you received him was by faith in his death. That's how we abide in him, continue in him, remain in him. And it's the only place fruit can be bare. And if we disagree with what I'm saying right now, we're dead. We cannot bear fruit. The sin nature is dominating. The first thing the sin nature does is to deceive. That's why when people, Christians, disagree with what we're teaching about this, it's because they're deceived. You know what deception is, don't you? Don't know. Deception easily uh, explained. Deception is I don't know that I don't know, but I think I know. The sin nature, when it begins to dominate, and make no mistake about it, don't matter if you believe it or not, 
The sin nature dominates you when your faith is in anything other than Calvary. And the reason people disagree with that is because they're deceived. The sin nature, the first thing it does is begin to deceive. If we try to live according to the government of 12, the purpose-driven, the 30 days of this, the 40 days of purpose, the, the walk of them, anything that you even make up, much less all the thousands of books that point us to what we got to do for victory, which is all lies. If you try to live according to that, the sin nature is going to deceive you. That's why people can say, I don't care what you say about fasting cannot deliver from sin, it delivered me. No, it cannot deliver you. You're still bound. And, and God didn't set up anything you do to deliver you, even the good things that you're called to walk in. And you're deceived. The sin nature dominates. And the first thing it has to do to dominate you is to deceive you. Because the sin nature can't slay you and move you into a place of death until it deceives you. But the way it takes occasion to deceive you is when you trust in something you do instead of what Christ did. And anything other than the work of Christ is law because what he did is grace. What you do is law unless he's doing it through you, through your faith in the sacrifice he provided for us. And verse 13 is, is really powerful because it shows us that there is, again, the word sin is used as a noun. Person, place, or thing. <laughs> a person, it's the sin nature. The place, he was crucified at Calvary. He operates within us when we trust in the law. Anything other than Christ and Calvary. And it is just an old thing that should be dead and dormant and inoperable. But that it might appear the sin nature working death in us, that which is good by, by that by, let's read it again. Was then that which is good made death unto me? No, the law wasn't made death unto me. God forbid. But the sin nature, that it might appear the sin nature working that which kills me, makes me dead, separated from God, working death in me by that which is good that the, that the sin nature by the commandment might become exceeding sinful. What do you think that means? The sin nature by the commandment might become exceeding sinful. This is what I believe that means. When people are trying to live according to the law, no matter what they say, no matter how sincere they are about whatever they're doing, delivering them, because it can't, we know they're not delivered, there's just that something within, I'm talking about the true child of God, they've been born again, they have the Spirit of God, there's something, some of you, this is going to touch your heart today, there's something you just can't put your finger on. You do not have that 110% assurance. Oh, you have to get up and preach it with 110% sincerity, but you don't have that 110% assurance because you can't have it. The Holy Spirit is the only one who can give you that assurance, and He won't ever give it to you unless your faith is in the cross of Christ, the work of Christ at Calvary. So sin nature by the commandment, the sin nature by the commandment becomes exceeding sinful. Think about that. The cross 
It's the place where God showed us he loved us. Showed us that he defeated everything that was contrary to us. The law and everything. Now, if you would have been there that day looking at Calvary, looking at Jesus hanging on the cross, you would have never had a clue really what that meant until God would later give the Apostle Paul the revelation of what really took place there, that the devil really was made dormant there. He really was, he had the power of death stripped away from him, Hebrews 2.14, through the death of Jesus. That all principalities and powers were defeated through the humble, obedient act of the death of Jesus Christ. We would have never known that. We would have never known that we were, not only did Jesus die for us, our guilt and shame and, and for our forgiveness of sins, but we were also crucified with him, buried with him, raised to newness of life. And we would have never known that without the revelation God gave the Apostle Paul about the sin nature. You might be saying, well, I've never heard this. Well, you're hearing it now. Aren't you willing to grow and to, and to go check these things out for yourself. I didn't say go ask a preacher. Check them out for yourself. Believe the word of God over what any man tells you. Look at the words. The Bible tells us to study the word. Uh, it's okay to read the Bible. But there is a difference between reading and studying. And to study the word of God means you're going to find exactly true what you're hearing today. That there is a sin nature. And that sin nature can take over and dominate, and he only does it under law. When we're living according to what we think we have to do or not do. And there are do's and don'ts for the child of God, but they can't any of that bring victory in your life. Yeah, I want to say that the power of the cross and what Jesus did there destroys everything that has to do with sin. And yes, we will still be tempted with sin, but the cross made it possible to where we can overcome that temptation overcome everything having to do with it. We don't have to live in sin. Uh, we don't have to be be dominated by sin. We don't have to live with, with bondages that we can't control, but we can live in freedom and victory because of that. Yeah, we, we've been made free by the blood of Jesus. The devil has been defeated. All sin has been defeated. And I'm not being ugly this morning, but 99% of all Christianity is still trying to fight against sin. Just say no. I've seen it through. Just say no to sin. Just say no to drugs. Just You can't just say no. That won't work. There's no power in just saying no. The power is the Holy Spirit who is God, who only works in truth. Psalms 33, 4. For the word of the Lord is right, and all his works are done in truth. And you can't just say no. And, and our fight is not that against sin, not that against the devil. Jesus has already fought against those. The battle is the Lord's, and he got the victory for us all at Calvary. And therefore, when our faith is placed in Jesus and what he did at Calvary, and that alone, we're declared by God in Christ to be righteous. We've been made servants of that righteousness in Christ. And when our faith remains there, the work that God began in us when we first believed and we first heard and we first received, which is the very place the Lord told the church in Sardis they better repent and get back to and hold fast, 
And those that do, those that overcome, he won't blot their names out of the life, eternal life. Well, somebody needs to go read that today. Because most of Christianity today thinks that their names can't be blotted out. I don't know what the Bible really means of a Christian being told they're dead. Or what Paul says that when the commandment came, he... Uh, the sin ate, the sin revived and I died and I don't know about all. you better learn what the Bible is saying because ignorance is not an excuse with God any longer he commands men everywhere to repent he is listen you're living in the greatest time that Christianity has ever had a time you know you look at men through the ages since the cross of Christ and the church the very church that Paul wrote to initially and gave the revelation of the cross, the greatest revelation of all time of Jesus and what really happened at Calvary, what it really provided for humanity. And that very place where that church of Rome was became what's to know today as the false Roman Catholic church that's not even saved and born again and has all sorts, even up until this day, heresy. And when you read names in books of the reformers, such as John Wycliffe and John Huss and, and Martin Luther and, and who's, who's the next guy in line really in that group of uh, the, the uh, uh, I can't think of it. But when you get down there and you read those names, you listen, you, I don't know who this might make mad, but I can't help it. You need to understand that Jimmy Swaggart Pastor G Evangelist Jimmy Swaggart is the name after those men. He's there. I can't help. Listen, the church didn't like none of the reformers, and they still don't like anybody who God is using to reform and draw the church back to a place of repentance, to that form of doctrine that made us free from sin and servants of righteousness. That on the, what God is doing will never be accepted, even by the majority of those claim to be Christians. And we are in a reformation of brighter life than ever before of Jesus Christ and what he accomplished at Calvary. Don't you think so? Yes. It's a great, it's a great time to be alive. And listen, through the ages, God offers greater and greater and greater pictures of who he is in Christ through the scriptures. And the greater the illumination of God's word given to man, the greater the responsibility of the church. And also the greater damnation for those who reject it. Remember what Jesus told the, the religious rulers, those who should be representing God in, in his day. He told them at the judgment, it's going to be worse for you than it was than it is for Sodom and Gomorrah. Now think about that. People who had the word of the Lord should have been representing the Lord by pointing to Christ, receiving Christ and his work at Calvary as the sacrificial lamb of God, God's only one plan in one way all throughout his dealings with humanity. And he told those who had the word of the Lord and was supposed to be representing him that it's going to be worse for them at the judgment than it is Sodom and Gomorrah. It's time for a wake-up call. And that's why these little storefront churches are appearing all over the world preaching the message of salvation, the message of sanctification, that you can live in victory. The sin nature no longer has to dominate you. 
been a good broadcast today. You got anything you'd like to add here at, at, at our closing? Uh, we do live in a, a great time. There's never been a useless time for 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 Christians in the church, but I believe we're, we're living in one of the greatest times. It's a biblical time that we're living in. No, we're not we're not writing scripture and adding anything to the Bible, but the, the book of Acts is still going and we're living in it. And like he was saying, we're in a, in a reformation right now and, and, and we're blessed to be a part of it and to, to understand this truth just because God has revealed it to us and he'll do the same for each and every one of you. It's, it's not a, something impossible to do. If you're hungry for God's word, his truth, he'll reveal it to you. Amen. And, and we shouldn't even really say another reformation. The reformation that began back in the 1300s, possibly before that, it's just still going on until one day it became a movement that would turn into a, a, a protest so much against that which is not God that it would give, a, give us the name Protestants. We pro protest, and it's a great thing to be discussing. I know we've got to quit, but here on the 4th of July, we celebrate our independence from a religion of men. And, and we have a nation birthed on the freedom that's in Christ that we no longer have to uh, be deceived by uh, a people who have the Word of God but use the Word of God uh, to control us and to make us pay money and see all that still tied up in the church. A lot of people claim they're not Roman Catholic and they're not, but they still have the bondages in their lives that the Roman Catholic Church has that may pay money for this. Well, what do you think the word of faith is all about? Words you speak and money you pay. And all this kind of stuff is still in the church. So we're still Protestants. We're still protesting everything that is false and contending for the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm so glad you've been with us today on this 4th of Ju July broadcast in this part 13 of Romans chapter 7. Be with us every Monday and Thursday morning at 8.30 a.m. Central and 9 a.m. Central on Friday morning for the teaching of Jude. And our worship services are at 6.40 p.m. Wednesday nights, 10 a.m. Sunday mornings. God bless you. We love you. And like always, we say, until next time, stay determined to know absolutely nothing but Christ and Him crucified. God bless you.